Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. I would love to introduce the Woodberries. They are, whew, they're good people. They're good people. I live in Arizona, so I just barely clicked on. She said, do you know we start in one minute? What? Okay, I'll introduce them. 17 years ago, when myself, my husband, and our three children moved into our home in Arizona, Cliff Woodbury was our bishop. He and his beautiful wife, Corrine, made us feel so welcome. Oh, I'm thinking about how wonderful they are. Hmm. So welcome and included. During those 17 years, we have watched our children grow and shared many, many laughs with these beautiful souls. Cliff and Corrine Woodbury are both lifelong members of the church, originally from Reno, Nevada, now living in Phoenix, Arizona. Married 43 years with six living children, two angels, and 15 grandchildren. They are parents of a gay son. Currently, the Woodberries are serving in a YSA ward bishopric in Tempe, Arizona. They enjoy playing together, hiking, biking, traveling, and eating. Cliff and Corrine are preparing to leave in April on an 18-month mission to the Ethiopia Addis Ababa mission. It's my pleasure to introduce my very dear friends, Cliff and Corrine Woodbury. Thank you. Thank you, Marianne. Marianne is one of the bright spots in our <laughs> lives as well. And we love knowing their family, and we appreciate her making this introduction. We are delighted to be here, grateful for and to Marianne for making this introduction. We love sharing this. We are not, obviously, professional presenters. In my mind, no one in their right mind likes to speak publicly, but that's the opportunity that many of us have, and we have something to say. And so 
we have something to say and we're appreciative of this opportunity to share. We're again, the Woodburys. As Marianne said, we've been members of the church, both of us, our whole lives, active members of the church. We love and sustain our leaders. We're not here to advocate for changes or in policy or doctrine. And in fact, we encourage everyone in our lives and everyone within the sound of our voices to enter and stay on the covenant path and to enjoy all the blessings of the, that the gospel brings to our lives. But having said that, we also believe that we can all, every one of us, us included, do better to support and respect and understand and love our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, including those who step away, that it's not our job to judge and to, to determine what is, what is best in other people's lives. Our job as disciples of Jesus Christ really is to love our, our brothers and sisters. And in fact, spoiler alert, if you came here to learn about our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, I think you will, but that's not our intent. The real intent here is that this is aimed at ourselves. How can we as individuals become more savior-like, more loving, more accepting, more kind, uh, more empathetic toward all of, of our Heavenly Father's children. And we feel very strongly about that and that opportunity and that responsibility that we each bear. Our hope is that no one leaving here today or leaving this discussion leaves feeling the same way that they did when they came myself included. As you know, whenever you attend a, a, a sacrament meeting, listen to a talk or engage in a conversation with someone, if we leave the same as we were, we've missed an opportunity in large measure because the Spirit will speak to us individually the things that we need to know and do to become, again, more psyched. And so that's our opportunity here today. So I hope everyone will come at this with an open mind. We also respect that everybody's coming from a different perspective and a different place on this journey and in, on the journey of life in general. But I do know that the Spirit will speak to each of us individually if we will listen and allow it to do that. In fact, we're grateful that the Spirit spoke to us this morning <laughs> when, when it said, by the way, the rest of the world did this silly spring forward thing and we don't in Arizona. And so we were, we were, we felt blessed to, to have remembered that. But this really is about how we can engage all of our brothers and sisters, how we can help those who we believe have a much harder road some, in some ways than some of us might. By way of introduction, this is our family. These are our favorite people in the world. As Marianne said we have we have had eight children we have six lived um, and we have 15 grandkids and I think all are accounted for in this picture yes they are and we just love them all among the group here is our youngest son Jesse which is kind of where this our journey with this topic began sort of began on February 18th, just five years ago, almost very close to the day, five years ago, we received an email from our son, Jeff, who was up at school at, the, at BYU in Provo. And it was a very long email explaining to us his journey in coming to understanding that he is gay. 
And he said, I, that's kind of the beginning of the email, I am gay. And then he went on to explain how his, what his experience has been like, how he came to that, what had, what he had felt and, and so on, all the things along the journey. And it wasn't, well, it wasn't a complete shock to us. It was certainly a very heavy thing to hear. And for me personally, for to under, to see all that my son wasn't going to do this, all that my son had experienced, endured quietly in the shadows without uh, and completely alone, all that he had been through without my being able to help or to listen or to be a support to him. It was heartbreaking to know that he had come so long feeling the way he had and not feeling good about himself. It was just heartbreaking for me. And that kind of was the beginning of our, of our journey because what I needed to do in that, what, what I did in that moment was just, just remind him how much I loved him and and assured him that he was my son and I was all that I was in support of him and really wanted to understand. And that began my personal journey. One of the greatest blessings in my life of seeking to understand my brothers and sisters who are like my son is. And it has opened a door that I can't even begin to tell you how much, how many blessings have flowed to us because of that. We have been greatly, greatly blessed over the, over the last five years by opening our hearts and our homes and our, and our lives to our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. And, the, and what we have gained from that has been, I, I feel, I almost feel guilty for the blessings that we have, that have flown flowed to us because of that. But as, again, as I said, that was just the beginning of the journey, I, sort of. And I say sort of because in this slide, you'll see our son Jesse uh, and us on a, we, we hiked across Spain the year before he came out to us. And in fact, I almost expected him to come out during that trip just for various reasons. But also in this picture, is my one of my younger brothers on the top there. He came out to his family, to our family, about 25 years ago at a time when it was a much more difficult thing to do. And uh, so he was already in our lives. Also in this picture is below him is my niece, Alana, who came out just three or four years ago. And also there's my grandson who identifies as queer who came out a year or two ago. And so these are some of the special people closest to us, but we know hundreds and we've come to be blessed by so many different people. Let me interject here though, that all in all of these cases, each and every one of these, my son, my brother, my niece and my grandson, all of them were raised in homes like yours and like ours, where the gospel was taught, where there was a clear standard of what we could look forward to as individuals and as families. Each and every one of these were steeped in that and, and had a great desire to 
enjoy all the blessings of the gospel include temple marriage. And so all but my grandson have been on missions. Our son served in Spain. My brother served in the Cook Islands. My niece also served a mission and, and, and they, they did all the things. They were Eagle Scouts. They, they were in their quorums and classes, active members, always with the same objectives and the ideal that we all hope for one day. And so these aren't people who just, you know, who, who are doing something completely out of rebellion or anything like that. These are people who were, who had a very clear path in their minds of what was, what they hoped to achieve and accomplish and gain in their lives. But there was a part of them that just didn't fit the idea. The reality didn't fit the idea. And so that's kind of where we begin this. And so I share those faces with you because I love this quote by Brene Brown, who said that people are hard to hate close up. So move in. And as I said, our moving in, reading everything we could read, listening to everything we could listen to, meeting and being part of groups with LGBTQ brothers and sisters has caused us to move in. And I cannot again ever tell you how what a great rich blessing it's been for us to have done that. PTQ people are our people. So when we talk of them, we are all the body of Christ. And when I say we are all the body of Christ, I'm not just referring to us in the church. I'm referring to all of God's children. Each and every one of them are beloved to him, and he has a plan for them and desires for them to return to him. But they are our people. And I, and I, one thing about this presentation each time it's different but if I use the word every time I use the word they or them I want you to know that there's a little sting going on in me because if I I, I hesitate to use the term LGBTQ people throughout because it's a mouthful but when I refer, when I refer to them or they that's what I'm referring to but I don't want to say it in a way that makes them different than me or different from us they are our brothers and sisters, because we are absolutely and indeed all the body of Christ. So what does that mean? What does LGBTQ plus mean? I think most of you probably are well acquainted with these terms. Let me just point out a couple of things. Lesbian is a female attracted to people of the same gender. Gay is typically been referred to historically as a male or female attracted to members of the same gender. Bisexual, male or female, with attraction to both genders. Transgender is when one's gender identity does not match the biological sex that they were born with. Queer is kind of an umbrella term. I think it used to be back, I'm old, I'm 67 years old, and and back in the day, if you heard that term, it was a negative term that was kind of cast about. And I think today it's changed. I think a lot of folks like to use that as an umbrella term just to say, I'm, I am I, I'm not straight. And so you'll hear that term used more positively, I think, these days. Plus, there's a number of different variations and orientations that that aren't specifically called out, but that's why the term LGBTQ+. The thing I want to point out here <clears throat> is that this slide refers to attraction. It doesn't refer to behavior because we're talking about folks who are, 
who just naturally come this way and who have that, their attraction to the same gender is very natural to them. And so while I think decades ago, sadly, the church might have viewed anyone who outwardly said, I, I am gay or lesbian, meaning I am attracted to the same gender, then that was a real problem. It's not today. The only problems come when we, when we get into the law of chastity and, and behaviors. But this isn't talking about behaviors. We're talking here about folks in their natural orientations. And so please keep that in mind as we go through this. <clears throat> According to the last Gallup poll in 2021, about 7% of all Americans identified as LGBTQ, that looking at different generations, Generation Z, Millennial, that number actually goes, but for this discussion, we'll just say, okay, let's say it's 7% of the American population if you run that up against, if you do the math and run that up against the number of mem the, mem the membership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is almost 17 million, that would equate, again, doing the math, to the potential of about 1.2 million of our members falling into the LGB plus category. And so this is not a something that is an insignificant occurrence in, in people's lives. If you take that 7% or even higher, again, as I said, sometimes projected to be up to 15% into your young women's class or your ironic priesthood forums and so on, it is very likely, in fact, very, very likely that you have kids or brothers and sisters who identify as LGBT within your space. If you took that number just for fun for the football fans out there, that 1.2 million members, that would fill Lavelle Edwards football stadium 19 times. That's like eight home home season games, home eight seasons of home games filled at the Lavelle Edwards stadium. So it's a big number. <clears throat> Again, as I said, I avoid the they term. It's not them, but it's us. And we, need, we are all engaged in this discussion together uh, because the fact is that there are many within our wards, our quorums, our classes that do identify as LGBTQ+. The question becomes, and here's the important question for each of us to consider, do they feel welcome and safe and loved in our quorums, in our classes, in our wards, in our presence? I believe that Heavenly Father's plan, this is not a mistake. I, don't, I do not believe that Heavenly Father's up there wringing his hands. Oh, what went wrong with that number of people who are impacted by this? I believe that this is all part of Heavenly Father's plan, not only for our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, but for us. This is as much about us as it is about them. And so I feel like and this is part of Heavenly Father's creation, and no one should feel shame for how they are created. And parents, parents out there should never feel like they did something wrong if they have an LGBTQ plus child. And in fact, our experience has been that it's been a wonderful blessing in our lives. So let's look at some words of inspiration. And I have, because you're probably already tired of hearing from me, I've asked BJ, Luann, Debbie, and Jen to each take turns to read some of these slides so you get a little, a little uh, color 
as we cover them. We're going to cover a whole bunch of, we're going to show you a lot of material of slides that are direct quotes from prophets, apostles, from their church website and so on. And so we're just going to share the load as far as reading goes. So BJ, why don't you go ahead and start with this quote from Elder Whitney Clayton. Okay. I now speak directly to church members who experience same-sex attraction or identify as gay, lesbian, or bisexual. We want you to know that we love you. You are welcome. We want you to be part of our congregations. You have great talents and abilities to offer God's kingdom on earth, and we recognize the many valuable contributions you make. Elder Whitney L. Clayton. This is from Elder M. Russell Ballard at a BYU devotional in 2017. He said, I want anyone who is a member of the church who is gay or lesbian to know I believe you have a place in the kingdom and recognize that sometimes it may be difficult for you to see where you fit in the Lord's church, but you do. We need to listen to and understand what our LGBT brothers and sisters are feeling and experiencing. Certainly we must do better than we have done in the past so that all members feel they have a spiritual home where their brothers and sisters love them and where they have a place to worship and serve the Lord. Um, we're going to watch a, this is a brief clip by Sister McConkie from recently. And I think she says it so well, how we need to approach and invite and welcome and, and create belonging for our LGBT brothers and sisters. It is so important that we understand, first of all, that everyone's in a different place along the path and that we develop an awareness of the people that are around us. I know people who come to church every Sunday so that they can be inspired and uplifted and who just simply walk away feeling judged and unloved, unmuted. Like, there is no place for them. We need to do this. We need to be deeply aware of what the purpose of coming to church on Sunday was and make sure that everyone who comes feels loved, needed, accepted, and lifted. Everybody has struggles we all know. It's so important to be aware that everyone around us is loved of God. We see them through our Christ-like eyes and allow children the way we can walk. It's just simply not right. I see all that the Lord places us where we are and connect us with the people around us for a purpose. Because it's not only about our own progression, but about helping others progress. And I've come to recognize that we are placed where we are so that we can love and help others. We just cannot be, or even call ourselves a disciple of Christ, if we are not helping others along the path. But the gospel of Jesus Christ does not marginalize people. People marginalize them. We can be sensitive and love them and allow them the opportunity to grow and to blossom and to be their best selves. They have talents and abilities and personality that is needed in the kingdom of God. And if we're going to build the kingdom of God on the earth, we need everyone to come, come and do their part. And we need to recognize that. When Edmund's shadow darkens the door of a child, they ought to be inspired to. And they walk out that door and go and be better because you know the Lord loves them. It's so important. So the safest place in the world for any of God's children should be in the home. And 
and next to that in our chapels, I think. And I think she she makes some wonder, wonderful points in that regard. So why are we having this conversation in the first place? Again, we're all the body of Christ, and we all need to, we all have responsibility for one another <clears throat> and for being more of a fountain than a drain when it comes to the, the love and acceptance of those around us. The fact is that, however, that many quietly experience ostracism, fear, shame, hopelessness, and loneliness. And we learn that from our, from our son. We even learned of hurtful things he'd heard in our home that, uh, by siblings and, and so on who didn't at the time recognize that he was, he was gay. Well, not just siblings. Every single one of us in the family had to apologize to him for things we said in the past that were not intentionally hurtful to anyone, really, but just flippant, offhand language that, that we all just have become accustomed to saying. And, and, and I know it hurt him. And so Cliff and I, all the kids, everybody, I mean, that was one of the first things we said to him when he told us that he was gay was, I'm so sorry for things that I said carelessly and thoughtlessly. But we all have an opportunity to do that. And so, and, and, and when it comes to church, the church we love, there are still deeply embedded, obsolete and outdated misunderstandings and perception and misperceptions that exist and come up in lessons and forms and, and even talks at times. But for us to become, for each of us individually to become what the Lord sent us here to become, we need our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, I think more than they need us in this, in this respect. For us to become loving, charitable, kind, long-suffering, to become Christ-like, we need people who challenge that in our lives, or we need experiences that challenge that in our lives so that we can become as I am people um, and grow those muscles and, and grow that love that the Savior so beautifully set an example. Maybe we love the, the this year's curriculum will come for all me. We love the New Testament because we get to see how the Savior lived day to day in his interactions with others, which sets a beautiful example for each of us. Let's see, is it Debbie's turn? Teachers, please be aware that you likely have an LGBTQ student or two in every class. Please let them know that being gay is not a sin and is not a choice. Be aware that our LGBTQ youth and their families often feel alone. Let them know that you love them and listen to their experiences. Ask them how you can help. We, can we now have openly gay missionaries serving missions, and they are some of our finest young adults. How wonderful. We do we can do better at supporting and loving them and recognizing their talents and gifts as part of the body of Christ. Let's make sure that all of God's children, regardless of their sexual orientation or gender identity, know they are loved and needed. All of our youth need encouragement and understanding. That's by Rebecca Kraft, and she says, mother of a gay son. So what exactly does the church teach? 
I'm going to fire hose you with some slides here just so that you can see what the church has said, what the church says now, what is on the church website, what some of the apostles and, and prophets have said. So let's run through these. BJ and Luann, if you'd hit these two. Being LGBTQ plus is not a sin. Identifying as gay, lesbian, or bisexual, or experiencing same-sex attraction is not a sin and does not prohibit one from participating in the church, holding callings, or attending the temple. Okay, and under the gospel topics at churchofjesuschrist.org, under being LGBTQ+, is not a choice, says, quote, while some sex attraction is not a sin, it can be a challenge. While one may not have chosen to have these feelings, he or she can commit to keep God's commandments. As a community of church members, we should choose to create a welcoming community. So being LGBTQ is not a sin, nor was it a choice that any of these folks made. Debbie. What is changing and what needs to change is to help church members respond sensitively and sensitively and thoughtfully when they encounter same-sex attraction in their own families, among other church members or elsewhere. President Dallin H. Oaks. Very good, thank you. And Jen. In some matters, it is better to be intellectually uncertain rather than superficially sure. This will still leave us with the great a great deal to be certain about while maintaining a humility to learn. I love that That's quote by Elder, or not Elder, by Michael Wilcox, who is one of the preeminent institute teachers throughout the church. And it just makes the point that we all come to this honestly from different perspectives. And that's fine, that our minds need to be open to inspiration, to the spirit again teaching us, and perhaps create, seeing things from a little different perspective. I love what, let's see who read that one. I love the next quote by Elder Uchtdorf in this respect as well. As good as our <clears throat> previous experience may be, if we stop asking questions, stop thinking, stop pondering, we can thwart the revelations of the spirit. Remember, it was the questions young Joseph asked that opened the door for the restoration of all things. We can block the growth and knowledge our Heavenly Father intends for us. How often has the Holy Spirit tried to tell us something we needed to know, but couldn't get past the massive iron gate of what we thought we already knew? Love that. Elder and I think Mark Twain says it even it says it even more succinctly. It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. And there's so many things in life that we just think we, we got it all figured out, but that just gets in the way of our improvement and growth and, and understanding. I think that also goes to, I, I don't love the term woke because it has a lot of derogatory connotations attached to it, but in some respects, that's kind of, I think how we felt after learning our son was gay, it kind of pried open those gates, it pried open our hearts to be able to accept more and to be able to um, look at things differently. It was a, a complete paradigm shift. And so even though I don't love woke, it, it kind of, in many respects, feels that way for, for how differently we look at things. And we absolutely love that change. So pray the gate away. I titled this slide this because 
these folks, the people that we have come to know and love, are some of the most obedient, dedicated members of the church. As I described for you, the upbringing and the growth and the development of our family members who are LGBTQ, that and and what their their hopes and dreams and aspirations were. They were always presidents of their classes and Eagle Scouts and did all the things. They did everything they possibly could. And then when they came to understand their orientation, when they came to grips with that, looked themselves in the mirror and 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 understood this is why I have felt guilt or felt different all my life than uh, they being the people that they were, the next step was to make deals with God. I will serve a mission. I will go to the temple every week. I will read my scriptures morning, noon, and night. I will do all of these things if you just take this away from me because it didn't line up. Their reality would, did not seem to line up with the ideal. And so this is a very common thing, which causes so many of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters so much pain and worse. Some, and some people would refer to the atonement. The atonement is such a great blessing in our lives. We thank our Heavenly Father daily for our Savior and for his, for his atoning sacrifice for us. But there are some things that the atonement can do, change and heal in us. And there are some that it doesn't. It, and this is not one of those things that will change through the atonement. It's like being left-handed or having red hair or blue eyes. The atonement doesn't change that. But because that's part of the diversity that Heavenly Father has woven into this entire, into his entire creation, he needs all the voices in the choir. But what the atonement can do is to help every one of us be at peace with who we are and who each other are. I love this quote by Ben Shalati, and I'm sure many of you have heard of Ben Shalati. He is an honor code administrator and adjunct professor at BYU. He is a celibate gay member of the church, and one of the most, he's just a prince. He's one of the greatest people that we have known, and he is, this is a quote. You'll see a couple of his today with re respect to the atonement. He said, I used to think the atonement of Jesus Christ was supposed to make me straight. But instead, and in the end, it healed my broken heart. Hey, the church doesn't teach sexual orientation change. The church website, quote, a change in attraction should not be expected or demanded as an outcome by parents or leaders. The intensity of a person's attractions may not be in their control. And from the LDS newsroom, quote, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints opposes, quote, or yeah, conversion therapy. And our therapists do not practice it. From Elder Holland, this son's sexual orientation did not somehow miraculously change. No one assumed it would, but little by little, his heart changed. And then from Elder Christofferson, when people wonder, is there a place for me? It may be, it may be any number of things behind that. And now they ask themselves, do I fit? Do I belong here? Do they really need me? And I want to say empathetically, yes. Some more statements. We do not claim to know the causes of variations in sexual identity or attraction. The church does not teach that being lesbian or gay is a choice or the exercise of agency. 
The church does not teach that someone who has same-sex attraction can change or eliminate that attraction. The church stated that, quote, a change in attraction should not be expected or demanded as an outcome by parents or leaders, unquote. And then another quote, we definitely do not recommend heterosexual marriage as a solution to same gender feelings. In times past, decades ago, there were some practices to that effect. We have eradicated them in the church now. Both President Dallin H. Oaks and Elder Wick. Thank you. So as, as you can see, the church has come a long ways because decades ago, it wasn't it wasn't always that way, which caused a lot of pain and a lot of problems for a lot of uh, members of the church. And so we, you know, the ninth article of faith, we believe all that God has revealed, all that he does now reveal, and we believe that he will yet reveal many great important things pertaining to the kingdom of God. There is much, there's much to still be revealed, and we don't have all the answers. And that's okay that we don't have all the answers, because it's what what our job is here as brothers and sisters in God's kingdom is to love and accept and and create belonging and do the best that we can to invite and make welcome all of our, all of God's children. Let's see whose turn is it. Jen, this one is about transgender folks. Okay, experiencing gender incongruence is not a measure of your faithfulness. Many people pray for years and do all they can to be obedient in an effort to reduce the incongruence, yet find they still feel conflicts. This is not unusual. The experience varies along a spectrum of intensity for different people and at different times for the same person. The experience may also vary for children, youth, and adults. Particularly vulnerable for suicide are those youth and young single adults, adults who struggle with gender issues. They need to be encircled in the arms of their savior and know they are loved. So often the Lord calls on us. He expects us to be his welcoming, loving arms. We need to encourage their friends to do the same. That's from Elder Raz, Ronald A. Rasband. Transgender individuals face complex challenges. Members and non-members who identify as transgender and their families and friends should be treated with sensitivity, kindness, compassion, and an abundance of Christ-like love. All are welcome to attend sacrament meeting, other Sunday meetings, and social events of the church. That's from the church handbook. Thank you. So I see our relationship with all of our brothers and sisters, and in this regard, as, far as our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, kind of like our baptismal covenants with our Heavenly Father, in that we have made covenants with our Heavenly Father that are vertical. We promised him a number of things, but one of the things that we have promised him now is we, when we enter the waters of baptism, is to bear one another's burdens, to mourn with those who mourn, and to comfort those who stand in need of comfort. That's our horizontal application of our covenant to our, with our Heavenly Father. And that's our job with respect to these brothers and sisters. Sister Fiona Gibbons, in that regard, a wonderful author, LDS author, said, every Latter-day Saint who wishes to 
bear another's burden, fulfill our baptismal covenant. To, to, that wishes to bear one another's burden must touch that person's cross to understand the nature and depth of the pain being carried. And that's what you're doing here today. That's what we're doing here today is just trying to touch that cross, trying to gain a, a better understanding. More words of inspiration. We're going to have to pick this up because I, as, I, as I typically do, I'm speaking too much and, and we still have a, a, some really important real estate to cover here. So let's see, Jen. But while the atonement is meant to help us all become more like Christ, it is not meant to make us all the same. Sometimes we confuse differences in personality with sin. We can even make the mistake of thinking that because someone is different from us, it must mean they are not pleasing to God. This line of thinking leads some to believe that the church wants to create every member from a single mold that each one should look, feel, think, and behave like every other. That's Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf. How boring would that be? Okay. Any abuse or prejudice towards another because of nationality, race, sexual orientation, gender, educational degrees, culture, or other significant identifiers is offensive to our maker. Such mistreatment causes us to live beneath our stature as his covenant sons and daughters. That's President Russell M. Nelson. And then one by Elder Cook. As a church, nobody should be more loving and compassionate. Let us be at the forefront in terms of expressing love, compassion, and outreach. Let's not have families exclude or be disrespectful of those who choose a different lifestyle as a result of their feelings about their own gender. Thank you. Powerful statements about what our what everyone should be experiencing in our wards and ward families. So how do we apply this? How do we apply what we've learned from these slides? One way is to think about it this way, that, you know, sometimes we've, in, in past, decades past, LGBTQ brothers and sisters have been counseled by their leaders to just stay quiet about it, just to keep it quiet, stay in the corners. Let's not make an issue about this, not, not, not even bring it up, but think of the shame and, and the pain caused with that approach. And so uh, Brene Brown talking about fitting in, which is what they've been told historically to do versus belonging. She says, fitting in is about assessing a situation and becoming what you need to be in order to be accepted. Belonging, on the other hand, doesn't require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who we are. And that's what we all seek is belonging. And we not expect one another to fit in in ways that are only harmful, shameful, and painful for, especially for LGBTQ brothers and sisters that still on. This, I love this quote by Ben Shalati. Luann, would you read? I wish I could label myself as I please. I have been told many times by church leaders to not label myself as gay, and I obeyed that counsel during my 20s. I didn't want to be gay. I didn't want to be attracted to men, and I hated myself for having those feelings. The times when I didn't identify as gay were the hardest, darkest times of my life. Choosing to identify as gay has been wonderful and freeing. I'm no longer trying to change something about myself that I can't change, but I'm acknowledging the unique circumstances of my life and choosing to live in them. My beliefs and commitment to the restored gospel have not changed since I started labeling myself as gay. I live church standards as much as I always have. 
But what has changed is that I don't hate myself anymore. I wish church leaders would honor our agency and grant us the freedom to choose how to define ourselves. That was Ben Shalotti. And he's referring mostly to how it used to be for him. However, some of that still lingers on today. And so we need to be aware of that and, and, and be vigilant and be accepting. So when someone, so how do we respond when somebody comes out to us? Many of you have had that experience. And if you have, kudos to you, because when someone comes out to you, it shows a level of trust. And so I think that's super important right at the beginning. If some, if when, you know, like I said, when our son came out to us after years and years holding this close to him, it was heartbreaking to me that he'd had to, he felt like he'd had to do that quietly by himself. But when someone comes out to us, the most important thing that we can do for that individual is just to listen, is just to listen. As Stephen R. Covey used to say, it, when we listen to another launch into preaching and telling them and warning them and doing all of these things, the most important thing we can do is listen and to let them know that we love them and that we want to understand and ask questions and not dismiss what they're telling us at all. There's some great, just a side note, there's some great on in the church handbook under leaders and LGBTQ, there's a list of questions that you can, you can become familiar with so that when somebody comes out to you some beautiful questions and they're all questions that allow us then to listen that's the objective and then we ask how we can support them and and then the last note here is that we would never if someone comes out to you personally they've come out to you they haven't come out to anyone else and so it's you need to hold those confidences unless they've given you permission to share that with anyone else so what about teaching doctrine? Some people say, well, what about doctrine? Well, let me make some comments about that. When we do teach, when we are teachers in a classroom, our job is to teach doctrine. It's to teach and contribute, though, with the spirit and with sensitivity, assuming that in every congregation, every class, we have people of mixed orientations, that we have folks who are fall into the LGBTQ grouping. And so we need to teach the doctrine, but we need to keep the doctrine pure and without cultural translation. Because of past decades and decades past perceptions about LGBTQ brothers and sisters, and before we understood what we do today, there was a lot of things that, that have just culturally been perpetuated. And so we need to be really careful. When we teach doctrine, we teach doctrine. And we do it in a loving and sensitive way. And, that, and we don't avoid topics, but that we do it in a loving and sensitive way. Well, what about when we teach things that might be difficult for someone? That is doctrine. Well, when we do that, we do it in a way where we acknowledge the tension, where we acknowledge this, that, there, this, that this can be a struggle or a challenge or a painful thing for some people. And so what do we do about that class? What do, how do we approach that? Just being open and honest with one another and being supportive of those who may have pain in some of this. But as instructors or as participants in a class, be okay with not having the answers. We referred to the ninth article of faith. We don't have all the answers today. And we pray for the answers in, in 
in times to come. And then bottom line is always discussing how we can love and support those who might struggle with some of these. This is the money slide, folks. This is, this is my favorite quote in all of these slides. Monica Phillips is a, a dear friend of ours who we came to know through a parent, LGBTQ parent group here. And she made this contribution to Richard Osler's book, one of his books. And I'll make reference to that in a minute. But Jen, would you mind reading this quote? This is just beautiful. Yes. I don't believe Satan's work is to deceive people into being LGBTQ. Instead, Satan takes these precious children of God and tells them they are worthless. He tells them that there's no place for them in God's plan. He tells them God no longer loves them. He resides in their shame. Satan also resides in our fears, knowing that our fears will hinder our ability to truly love. His goal is to tear apart families and drive people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is succeeding, but not because this group has been deceived and are now gay or trans. He is succeeding because he is keeping us from coming together as the body of Christ and loving with pure Christ-like love. We could do better to help heal these members who are hurting and feel they have no place with us. Every member is vital. Without them, we cannot function as a church to our fullest potential. The answer to overcoming Satan, strengthening family, and bringing people to Christ is love. Monica Phillips. Don't you love that? That yes. just sums it all up, I think. And you just fly through this. For families who have LGBT kids or relatives, Jean Christofferson, who is uh, Apostle Christofferson, Todd Christofferson, and Tom Christofferson, their mother, this is a great quote. The only thing that we can really be perfect about at is loving each other. The most important lesson your children, and she was speaking to her children about her grandchildren, the most important lesson your children will learn from how our family treats their uncle Tom is that nothing they can ever do will take them outside the circle of our love. And I think that also extends to our ward families as well. BJ, will you do one last reading and read this? I love this primary song, I think, that gives us instruction as to how we interact with one another, especially with our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. Yes, this is from I'll Walk With You, the primary song. If you don't walk as most people do, some people walk away from you. But I won't. I won't. If you don't talk as most people do, some people talk and laugh at you. But I won't. I won't. I'll walk with you. I'll talk with you. That's how I'll show my love for you. Jesus walked away from none. He gave his love to everyone. So I will. I will. Jesus blessed all he could see, then turned and said, come follow me, and I will, I will. I'll walk with you, I'll talk with you. That's how I'll show my love for you. Thanks, thanks. DJ, it's a hard one. We've shared a lot of resources. There's so many resources out there. I think that, I think that you'll have access to a sheet that has a lot of them on there. These are some of our favorite books, all written by LDS authors. 
most of them written by gay, by gay or lesbian authors, beautiful books, beautiful experiences. I've referred to Richard Osler. Richard Osler does a, whose book is in the center of the bottom there, Listen, Learn, and Love. He does a podcast. If you don't, if you have interest in this, if you have, if you want to open yourself up to, to having your hearts cracked open and gaining an incredible amount of love for these folks. He, his Listen, Learn, and Love podcast is beautiful. I've listened to all 600 episodes. I know Richard, we've spoken a number of times, and he's a beautiful soul and does a beautiful job with this. I think that's the last slide. Some of you will be relieved to hear that. Oh, Cliff and Corrine, thank you so much. I, I think we were all just grateful to uh, just to be here and soak up some of those things. So that was just so much beautiful information and lots of, I feel like you nailed it. There's, there's a lot of misunderstanding and so grateful for the, the information that's out there now and for you putting it all together. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to take the last 15 or 20 minutes and just give you an opportunity to, to ask some questions of the Woodberries. So they have generously said that they would, they would just spend some time just with questions that we have. I have a couple, so I'll start with those and we'll just see how far we get and, and see if the spirits help, right? My question for the Woodberries is this, my son is 20 years old and gay. We've known for four years, but he has only recently told his closest friends and roommates. He went to the Office of Inclusion at BYU, where he attends school, to see if there are LGBTQ support groups or activities groups that he can attend so he doesn't feel so lonely. In attending some of those activities, he felt really out of place. He's not what some would consider typical gay. He loves guns, cars, hard physical labor. He's a manly man and nobody would think he's gay. He feels like he doesn't fit in anywhere. Do you have any suggestions for him? You know, the topic of, you know, the topic of coming out comes up a lot. And, and the instruction or the, the things that I've heard are to not, to not encourage people to come out in a way that, uh, to come out at all but not to discourage anyone from coming out and, and to be who, just to be who they are. It is a terribly difficult thing to go, to live life hiding any part of who we are, of who we naturally innately are. And so I think that's extremely important that he does that. Now, there just as it takes all the voices in the choir to be, to make a great choir. And it takes our LGBTQ brothers and sisters and all of us and all of our different personalities to, to make a beautiful church and a beautiful community. I understand what he's saying about the, the about some of the, the support, some of the groups at BYU, because they are typically more out, maybe a little more flamboyant, maybe a little more ener energetic on the topic than he might be. But it takes all the voices to create this great fruit salad of, of, of that community and our community on whole. And so I would encourage him to 
continued to be to participate, which was my son, I would continue, I would encourage him to continue to participate for the to create that balance and to and to add more seasoning to that salad to that group of people because he'll bless lives he'll bless lives by being himself within that well and and that feeling is not a unique feeling for uh, for just a gay person i would say that crosses you know heterosexual too very very easily being gay adds another layer to it another layer of insecurity and already feeling like you're odd but but having just you know, we've been serving in a YSA ward. We just marveled at the beautiful, beautiful people that we got to meet and how intensely lonely they, so many of them are and feeling like outcasts and feeling like they're different and odd. And they're all heterosexual that we know of. We, we didn't really have anybody come out while we were there. But so that is not a unique, a, you know, uniquely gay situation, definitely harder because there's another layer. And so I would just say, hang in there, be just, just do your best to have confidence in who you are. And that confidence rubs off. People are attracted to people who feel good about themselves and are confident. And so if we can kind of just put that persona out, oftentimes friends are attracted to us. So it's, it's, that's, a, that's an everybody problem. It's hard. It's hard. Oh, thank you. It looks like I've got three or four more questions. We'll just see, we'll see how we do. And thank you for the questions and thanks for the answers. Yeah. Really helpful. How, how does the church now discuss gender is an essential characteristic of individual pre-mortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose? in the proclamation to the world? You know, the proclamation can be painful, but it doesn't have to be. I can, I, I have, I, I have read it with a number of different lenses. And at, in early in my journey as a parent, I, there was, I struggled with some things. I don't anymore. It's pure. It's all good. It, it, and when we read it, so when the membership reads it, those who are inclined to pick on or point out those who may not fall squarely within it or seem to, when they look at it, they can, they can see it as an, exclus an exclusionary thing that oh, this doesn't include you. It includes everyone. When I read it, there's nothing but truth in it. It doesn't say, it says these, here, here, here is, gender is an important part. Gender is an important part. But how did we, how do, you know, so, but what is gender? And who's, who's, what is your gender? I, I don't know. I can't judge that. That's not, that's outside my, that's way above my pay grade. Heavenly Father knows. He knows how he sent his children. He knows what challenges they have. And that, that, will be worked, that will be worked out. I don't have to sort that out myself. But, there's, but God's plan for his children to marry and to have children and to create safe and beautiful places in their homes, and that, that applies to all of us. And how it will in the long run, I don't know. Again, that's above my pay grade. I, just, I see it as, 
as good stuff. I love the proclamation, but I don't see it as exclusionary. I don't, I don't. Thank you. I don't know if I articulated, I know what I feel, but I, <laughs> it's hard to say it sometimes. I appreciated that. I haven't ever heard that angle and I really appreciate that. Okay, do you wanna unmute and go ahead and ask your question? Muted. I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't have a question. I just wanna quickly, like what you said was just right on both of you about you know the son the 20 year old son and because it's it's kind of a prevalent question but it's asked from different angles and different details i just want to speak to this one thing we will always have an enemy we will always have somebody trying to tear at our brain and our mindset and so i would tell my friends who are lgbtq and 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 my you know my family and yours is that you are like, you belong wherever you are, wherever you are, you belong. We walk around just like on eggshells, like, do I belong here? That's a question in our own head, but we're, we learn here in this class, it's not us. There's someone who puts adversarial attacks in us. And so if you believe anything less than you, you know, that you, you belong wherever you you put yourself or wherever God puts you, then, then just know you have an enemy and just, I, I belong everywhere I am, <laughs> you know, wherever I am. And that's a beautiful thing. I think there's some one-liners that we can do to just kind of fix our thinking that fix our believing the thoughts that get put into our head. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's see if we can sneak a couple more. This is so helpful. It seems like it was a simple adjustment for you two, Cliff and Corrine, just to move to a place of love and acceptance. I'm sure that, you know, you had to pack all of your story into <laughs> two minute explanation, but have you always been on the same page? And was that harder than you thought? What can you share that on that? I so so I usually do share a little bit more, but we we worry a lot about time frame. It's hard to fit everything in, and it's such good stuff. But that's that's a great question. Definitely, I I, I think if if we if we took everybody in the entire world and put them in the same room and asked their feelings and thoughts on this, we would have that many different thoughts and feelings. I don't think anybody's in the exact same place with this as anybody else. It is very, very helpful if you're both on the same page, but I think that's very rare. And even Cliff and I were not on the same page. I was, I was thankful for how he handled this. He did not appear to me to skip a beat. When our son came out, he was just like, okay, I love you. And, and we're, we're going forward. I struggled more. And just, just, you know, obviously I love my son and that was never going to change. That was never an issue, not a problem. We never, neither of us had any feelings of, well, not in my house, you know, this is not going to happen. So at least we were together in, in that, but I, it took me longer to process. I mean, it was very jarring and it took me longer to process all the things that I thought I was losing all, you know, I mean, for 26 years of thinking we were going to have, you know, daughter-in-law and children. And so all of those visions and dreams and the stories that we tell ourselves in our head, that like felt like it was coming to an abrupt 
halt. I uh, obviously, in retrospect, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't have spent two seconds suffering over that, wasting my time because, like Cliff said, we have been so inordinately blessed with with all that we know and understand now. We have learned so much. And so to add to that, it it is so important for us to be kind and patient and loving, not only with our child or loved one that's come out, but with ourselves, to give ourselves that, that time and that processing, but also to be patient with each other, to be careful of the things that we say, because we do affect each other. Because I was fortunate enough to have Cliff you know, I didn't have to worry about him being mad or angry or, or feeling threatened by a son that was gay. It gave me the time and the space to process, which I will be forever grateful for because it did take me longer. And, and we're not all going to be on the same page. And, and, and we don't want anyone to feel shame about their negative feelings. It's a journey. It is just, just because somebody tells you something one day doesn't mean that you just, you know, the light switches on and off. It, it takes time. It takes study. It takes effort. It takes prayer uh, to get to a place where you can live with what, what you have now. And I can't reconcile everything and I'm okay with that. Not everybody's okay with that, but I'm okay with not being able to reconcile my feelings of the gospel and my feelings about my son. I love who my son is. I'm, I'm thrilled with who he is he has a partner right now that we absolutely love. It's not in accordance with the gospel. I, I can't reconcile that, but we absolutely love his partner. I love that our son has somebody who has his back. He's going through life, not alone. Not everybody feels like that. And, and, I, and I understand that. I mean, that was me. And that is not an answer for anybody else, but it's been okay for me. But as far as the two of us, for the things that matter most, we've pretty much been in sync, but we've done it at different times. It, it has, it has not just been hand in hand all the way through, but, but always supportive and careful of the things that we say. And he never made me feel bad because I wasn't just like, okay, let's get on this train and move forward. I, I, I needed time. So I think that's just important that we're respectful of of every individual journey. Well said. I I remember we we met with Cliff and Corrine several weeks ago and this topic came up and I think Corrine said something like shame is not a teacher or and so when people are in a different spot than we are and maybe we think we're we're down the road further or ahead of them or something and try to help teach them by shaming them it doesn't teach. And so anyway, I appreciated that insight. Okay, ladies, we're going to, we're going to wrap up here and, and hopefully we'll have another time to, to open up to more of these questions in another setting, but Woodberries, we just really appreciate your, your beautiful, genuine hearts are very obvious and we just wish you well. We know you're going to have a, a little bit of a change here in Ethiopia, a change as far as even your conversations around this topic. And we just hope to be able to have a great way to preserve this and a great way for you to maybe share. And Woodberries, if do you have any final thoughts or anything that you would like to leave these 
women with before we go. And then after you finish, I do have a few things that I just want to share, things that are coming up, events or opportunities for moms. So thank you, Woodberries. I would just add the, the scripture just came to mind, Second Nephi chapter 11, where he says, I, I know that God loveth his children. Nevertheless, I do not know the meaning of all things. And we don't know all things and we don't have to because our job right now and right here is to love one another and support one another. And I, and I, and it's the greatest, it's the greatest responsibility one could ever have. And I'm grateful for that. And I would just say, um, regardless of where we are on this path or who is in our life that is dealing with that, the great unifier is that we can do better. It doesn't matter where we are, how different we are, the places that we come from. This is just a starting point of every single one of us can do better in some way. And so that's, that's the unifier. That's what brings us together. Beautiful. Thank you both so very much. We'll, we'll have another webinar here the next two weeks for, for this webinar series, but just want to thank you and just grateful for your, for your insights and your, and your love. And also we have a, a meeting that happens at 11 o'clock mountain time each week where it's called Warrior Mothers Who Know, and you can find it by going, going to motherswhoknow.org and looking under the support tab. But we, we, it's just a safe place for sensitive questions and also a lot of beautiful insight. That is just That training is just packed with some powerful truths along with just some beautiful insights for how we can feel a lot of hope, even if things are messy. It's what we like to say. There's a, there's a message and a miracle right in the middle of any mess and so we love to share that training and you can go to motherswhoknow.org and look under the support tab and see that mom power training. And so we also just love to let you know that Karen Broadhead, who's the founder and director of Mothers Who Know and Parent Support Specialists, she also opens up times to visit with moms. Woodberries, thank you for spending the morning with us. We know you have a lot you're getting ready and just appreciate, appreciate what you've done here today for us. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSAA young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under MothersYouKnow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know, and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know last if you would like additional support and training please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms 
You can also go to the Mothers You Know website at mothersyouknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.